Good evening. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Tom. Uh, I'm one of the curates here at Holy Trinity, as Harley mentioned. And um, it's a real joy to be with you tonight speaking on the Holy Spirit. So um, you probably got the gist of that video. We uh, have been following the Apostles' Creed through this term at six. Uh, and the Apostles' Creed is one of the oldest creeds of the church. So we've been kind of going through line by line. Tonight is all about what does it mean to believe in the Holy Spirit? And I want to begin tonight by introducing you to um, my, well, to two people. Okay, I'm going to put them on the screen. They're related to me. They are uh, they're my brothers-in-law. They're called Dan and Dave. I wonder if you can notice anything about them other than uh, their names being very similar or starting with the same letter. That's right, they are identical twins. They're obviously very similar. They look very like each other. And it's not just in appearance. They are very similar to each other in lots of ways. They're kind of both um, into gadgets. They both work in tech. One works in um, like IT. One works in um, TV. Uh, they both love watching F1. It's their kind of big passion. So question is, if they're so similar, how do I tell them apart? Well, when they were younger, one of them always used to wear red and one of them always used to wear blue. But that, there comes a point as an adult where that starts, well, stops being socially acceptable, doesn't it? Dan's here again. He's wearing the red suit today. Uh, you can't imagine that really working very well. And this has become, it's like I've, you know, as I've kind of, you know, I've known them for best part of 15 years now I kind of can tell them apart it's fine but it's a problem for our children who are quite little and just really struggle with this and uh, when our eldest child Jessica was about two we we stood Dan and Dave next to each other side by side and I pointed uh, I pointed at Dan and I said to Jessica Jessica who's that and there was this judicious pause and you could sort of see the cogs whirring in her head and then she just with confidence she went Uncle Dan. I was like, excellent, this is brilliant. She knows who her uncle is. This isn't going to be a problem for the rest of her life. Um, she's, she, you know, it's all set. It's, it's absolutely in there. It's, it's all sorted. And so almost more kind of academically, just, you know, formality, I, I thought, well, we'll finish off, you know, where we're going with logically here. So I pointed at Dave. I said, Jessica, who's that? And again, there was this same pause and the cogs kind of went round. And then with the same air of confidence, she went... More Uncle Dan. <laughs> As you can imagine, Dave looked utterly devastated. He was completely just crestfallen. And as you also might imagine, Dan thought it was the funniest thing that had ever happened. And ever since that day, Dave's nickname has been More Uncle Dan. <laughs> I swear he turns up at job interviews and introduces himself. Hello, I'm More Uncle Dan. <clears throat> But without realising it, I think that is what we can do with the Holy Spirit, okay? We can just say, well, it's more God. He's more God. We get the Father, we get the Son, I think. It's easy to visualise them. They're both, I don't know about you, but in my mind, they're both people. They hang out. They probably sit down and on a quiet Tuesday afternoon and maybe play a bit of Minecraft or something like that. Um, I, I can, I can visualise them as people, like, together. But for some reason, it's just harder to do that with the Holy Spirit. It's like Father, Son, and the other one, or Father, Son, and more God. 
And that is that's okay to an extent. You know, the Holy Spirit is true. The Holy Spirit is more God. He is just as much God as the Father and the Son. But the trouble is, I don't think that just addressing him as that gets us close to an understanding of who he really is. So tonight, that's what I'd love us to do. I'd love us to kind of go really deep. I'd love us um, to get an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. I'd love us to see that he's not just an added extra. He's not buy two, get one free. Um, he's not a ghost, you know, despite the kind of old English language that we use. He's not, he's not a breeze. He is a person and he has a desire and he has a purpose. So that's what we're going to do tonight. And to do that, we're going to base ourselves in um, the Bible, as we always do um, here at Holy Trinity, and we're going to go to the New Testament. And um, the place that we're starting is one of the, um, it's a letter written to one of the earliest churches um, that was ever formed, actually, but it's, it's in Greece in a place called Corinth. And Paul, who was one of the main leaders in the early church, he's, he's writing in this letter um, to, to the Christians in this very young church to teach them about who the Holy Spirit is. So I'm going to invite Holly up to uh, share our scripture. She's going to be reading from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, and it's going to be on the screen. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities that the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Holly. So just before we kind of get into this text, just a very quick kind of sidebar at this point. We often, um, well, I don't know, we often, I'm generalising, but when, when I read this passage of scripture, and certainly when I've been in churches that have, we focus quite a lot on the second half. We look at all these kind of lists of spiritual gifts, you know, wisdom, healing, miracles, prophecy, unknown languages, those kind of things. And these things are really important because they tell us about how God has empowered us as the church. And actually, they're so important that we're going to run um, a series um, next year, which we're going to call Made for Good, which unpacks a lot of that. So it's going to be a new sermon series next year. So come back then to hear more. 
But what I want to say tonight is that those gifts, the, the things that we're reading about there, they, they tell us more really about what the Holy Spirit does. They don't necessarily tell us about who he is. I said at the beginning that tonight it's all about understanding the Holy Spirit's desire and purpose. So to do that, we're just going to need to dig a little bit deeper under the surface of this passage to see what's going on. So, as I said, this church in a place called Corinth in Greece, really um, young church, and it's like just a few years after Jesus' life. And up until that point, I don't know if you know, but there was basically only one religion across the whole of uh, ancient Greece and a lot of like the ancient world in Rome and Egypt, and that was called paganism. And really, it was a system you probably know. If you, if, has, hands up if you've seen the, any of the Percy Jackson films or read, read the books. Yeah, a few people. So that's kind of like the system that we're talking about here. So it's all about these different gods for different things. So there's like um, a god of war, a god of love, a god of the sun, a god of the sea. And it was accepted that all these gods, they could, they could either help you or they could hinder you. They could kind of bless you or they could curse you. So if you were a good pagan and you wanted to be successful in your life, you would um, maybe you wanted to kind of do well in your business, maybe you had a political career that you wanted to advance, maybe even your love life wasn't going very well and you wanted to kind of, um, yeah, you wanted to get some blessing there. So what you would do is you would come to the altar of your chosen God, whoever it was, whichever of the hundreds of gods there were, and you would offer some sort of sacrifice, you'd bring some food or drink and you'd, you'd offer some sort of sacrifice, maybe some money, and you would worship the God, like really they'd probably be in the form of a statue, and in return, you would get a blessing on your life. Or you would, you would actually sometimes be able to curse somebody else's life. Sounds pretty grim, doesn't it? But yeah, that's how it worked. You could either bless your own life or curse somebody else's life by worshipping one of these pagan gods. Now, does anybody know where that is? Anybody want to shout it out? Bushy Park, exactly. Anybody know what it is? Diana Fountain. For years, I thought it was Princess Diana. That's just, it's completely wrong. It's not, it's Diana. It's the, 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 the Roman god, actually, Diana. And the Greek equivalent was Artemis, and she was the god, goddess of the hunt. So if you were going hunting and you wanted to kind of bless your hunt and be successful, you'd go to the temple of Artemis or to Diana, and you'd make your sacrifice and you'd worship. So modern-day equivalent would be uh, you know, it wouldn't be a Tom sermon without some kind of football analogy, would it? Right? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Crystal Palace fan. I go to the god of sports, and I would make my sacrifice. I'd put down my palace scarf on the altar of the god of sport, and you know, I'd give it up and I'd worship this god, and then I'd pray for favour on my team. If you know anything about Palace, probably would do no good whatsoever. Um, but that was the way that it worked. And you could apply it to sort of flippant things like sport, but you could also apply it to really serious stuff like life and death stuff. It was like a serious system. So just having that idea in our minds, I just want to read to you those first few verses again just see if there's anything you notice. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the spiritual abilities that the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Notice how direct and clear Paul is being here. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. 
So here's what was going on. The people in this church, they'd genuinely given their lives to Jesus, they were following Jesus, but they still, like they had one foot in their past, almost. They were still stuck in their old ways a, a little bit. They thought that each of those special gifts that, that were listed when Holly read it out, you know, the things like wisdom and tongues and prophecy, they thought that each of those things came from a different spirit. And that their job was to try and convince this, you know, whatever that spirit was of the gift they wanted, they had to convince the spirit to give them that gift that would somehow help them in their lives. That's, what's Paul, that's what Paul is correcting here. That's what he's trying to communicate here. He's showing them who the Holy Spirit really is. He's saying the Holy Spirit isn't just more God who does amazing stuff for you. He's not an invisible force that you can bribe um, or persuade to do special things like you know, prophesy or speak in unknown languages just to, you know, to make you look good or to, to advance your career or something like that. That's not who he is. Paul is telling them that the Spirit's desire, the Spirit's purpose is to point them to Jesus. It's to point them away from the dumb idols that he, he uses that word, doesn't he? Dumb idols of their culture, like all these Greek gods, and point them to the one true God, to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit does the same thing today. When the Spirit is at work in us, he reveals the dumb idols of our culture. You know, they might not be so obvious, but he reveals the lies that our culture tells us. If you do well in your job, if you get an A star, another A star in your GCSEs or A levels, if you get into that university course that you're desperately looking for, if you get another 100 followers on Instagram, then you'll be happy and fulfilled. Those things are the idols of our age. The Holy Spirit turns our hearts away from those things and he turns our hearts towards Jesus. It's right there in verse three. I'm just going to put it back up on the screen. Last, last sentence. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We've got a living example of that this morning, isn't it? What a fantastic illustration. These amazing six people who have chosen to give their lives to Jesus, chosen to be baptised. By promising to follow um, Jesus, they've declared that he is Lord in every single season of their lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they have declared Jesus' lordship over their future, over their hopes, over their dreams, over their fears and worries. You know, the outward bit, the water, that's great. I mean, it was the most wonderful privilege to do that bit with them. That's a fantastic sign. But it's all about it's what's going on inside. And that's the work of the Spirit. When he's living in us, he, he encourages, he strengthens, he advises, he leads us. He takes us into careers, through exams, into the right relationship with the right person at the right time. But above all else he loves to turn our heart to Jesus why does that matter well if you've been through us in some of this journey um, on the Believe series you'll know that we kind of started in the Garden of Eden when God made humans 
And he made humans to be in relationship with him. And maybe you were here a few weeks ago when Catherine preached on the resurrection and we learned all about eternal life, that actually God made us also to be in relationship with him at the, the other side, you know, to, to be in heaven, to have eternal relationship with him in the heavenly city. But we can't get from point A to point B without Jesus. We can't get from the garden to the city without Jesus' saving work. That's why this matters. Because you know what? We're people, we're human, and we lapse into selfishness. Like, you know, I, this is stuff that I do. I'm proud and I'm greedy at times. You know, I, we pursue our careers, we pursue our exam results, we pursue our happiness before we pursue a relationship with God. And we've broken that connection with our Creator. And the only way, the only way that we can get back into relationship with Him is through Jesus. To put our hope in the sinless, perfect, fully God, fully human Saviour, who died in our place and rose again and defeated sin and death. That's why we need Jesus. And that is why the Holy Spirit loves to work in us, to point us to him. Right now, I'm a, personally, I'm a, a bit of a crossroads. Um, you might know that um, my time here at Holy Trinity is coming to an end at some point within the next year or so. That's just nothing to do with how it's gone here. It's all to do with the way that curacy works. You kind of get a three-year, almost like a fixed term, basically, and you have to go on and find something else. And I'm at that stage where I'm beginning to think and pray about what's next. And if I'm honest with you tonight, um, I think my hope and my desire has been to go to like a really cool church <laughs> where there's loads of awesome stuff going on, like an evening service, like a youth group, like six baptisms, you know, sound familiar? With a big team, lots of resources. Essentially, I, I've been wanting and praying for a platform to be successful, if I'm brutally honest with myself. And a couple of weeks ago, as I was um, praying, I just had a really big nudge from God on this. It was like a, a jolt in my spirit. Something wasn't sort of right. I realized that I was, I was prioritizing success over what God actually wanted for me. I was calling out to the Holy Spirit to give me more skills so I could get the best job rather than pursuing Jesus' plan for my life and trusting you know, that he would then give me everything that I needed anyway. I had constructed the image of a perfect church. And the Holy Spirit was showing me that just like the people in this Bible passage, I'd made an idol. Now, you know, we all want great jobs. Let's be honest, nobody wants a rubbish job. We all want good exam results. We all want the perfect partner. And that's okay, that's not bad. God wants that for us. God wants that for you too. But if we think that the Holy Spirit's main job is to give us that stuff, then we've missed it. Really, we just turn him into Santa Claus, haven't we? 
That's essentially what we've done. He turns up occasionally, leaves some presents, and then disappears again. Um, I don't know if he eats mince pies. Um, maybe carrot. That's, no, that's a reindeer, isn't it? Um, maybe we'll find out if he likes mince pies one day in heaven. But that's, that's, not, how it's, that's not how it's meant to be. That's not, it's not what we were made for. Holy Spirit isn't Santa Claus. Our culture turns our hearts to worship the created things, the things around us, the things in our, you know, that the culture views as successful. Popularity, happiness. But the Spirit turns our hearts to worship Jesus. And now, I know what you might be thinking. Another preacher telling me, I've messed up. I've kind of had the wrong end of the stick. I have something I have to correct. Well, hang fire for just one minute because it gets really good in a minute. There's a twist, which is just awesome. As I finish, I just want you to hear this because this is really good news, I promise. Because a few years after Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, he wrote to them again. Let me read to you a very short three verses from what he says the second time. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and the spirit of the Lord is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's who the Spirit is. Right there. He is freedom. He is freedom. Because when he turns our hearts away from the stuff that we shouldn't have been worshipping anyway, and when he turns our hearts to Jesus, it's not, it's not like a big burden. It's not like he's chaining us up again. It's freeing us from the stuff that just binds us. You know, the chasing after popularity and success. It's just toxic. The Spirit frees us from that by pointing us to Jesus. He leads us into the life that we were made for. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean that we stop asking God for the other stuff, you know, the, um, you know, help us with our exams and with our careers and everything else. Absolutely, that's right. But it does mean that all of that falls into line under his plan and his purpose. Just like those Corinthians. It's easy for us to get fixated on what the Spirit can do for us that we forget to look for what he wants to do in us. Because he isn't about the flashy stuff. He's about relationship with the living God. He's not about the outworking. He's not about all the stuff that happens on the outside. He's about, he's about the inworking. He's not just more God. He's more God in us. That's what it means to say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So tonight, as we've seen those six amazing saints go before us in baptism, will you pray for the Spirit to do a new work in you? To draw you into a deeper walk with your Saviour? to see the created stuff you're worshipping without even realising it. Like me, 
with my perfect job? Will you ask him tonight to come and fill you? So that maybe for the first time or maybe for the thousand and first time, you can know the freedom of saying that Jesus is Lord. Amen.